Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Thanks for joining us here on Future Sense on this post-election moment. And uh, good morning to my co-host, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Nick. Lovely to see you here. How did you survive the the uh, election weekend? Uh, pretty well, actually. I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> didn't take an awful lot of notice, but it was very interesting to, uh, to see the result as we mm. know it so far. I think there's still a bit of counting going on, isn't there? Still a bit of counting going. We do not know if the Morrison government will have an actual majority or will have to operate as a minority government with the help of some of the crossbench. That would be interesting because they also have to pick a speaker from their uh, from their elected representatives or convince one of the independents to sit in the speaker's chair, in which case they sort of lose a, a primary vote there. So they kind of need 77, uh, I think, out of the 150 to, to govern with a, a clear majority and a speaker. And a speaker, yeah, mm. that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. interesting. But we'll be talking a bit more about uh, some of this later on, but not so much the the, uh, the, the raw data that we know about, uh, who's won and all that, but perhaps a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes. And we're going to look at that from a particular area today, from a particular uh, focus and perspective. Yeah, I mean, certainly the most obvious observation is that the election result reflects the continuing regressive search, regressive value search to try and find a way of making sense of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's been a, a, a retro trend there. And yeah. uh, also on a, a wider level, I'm going to ask the question, did humans break the planet? And just unpack the psychology of this particular perspective yeah. that seems to be growing at the moment, that we've done something ter- terribly wrong and only we can fix that too, which is interesting. And I guess all of the guilt and shame and despair that is associated with that. And we've certainly seen a lot of it, for example, with many of the, the younger people in uh, during the period of the, the Greta Thunberg phenom- uh, phenomenon, which is still going on, and the school strike and the like, and that uh, that urgency that a lot of young people feel in regards to uh, to issues like climate instability. Yeah, and um, you know this is all part of the natural evolutionary dynamic, so there's nothing wrong about it. But it's interesting just to look at the dynamic itself and see how it's working. And uh, part of our discussion today will be looking at um, the the problems that are arising and the, and the problems that are actually very real and present at the moment, being in one category. But there's another category of problems which are um, anticipated or imagined problems which actually haven't manifested yet. Yes. And we'll look at those two categories yeah. and, and just uh, yeah do a bit of analysis around that. As, as those in the new age would remember, the word fear is often represented as F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, Yeah, which yeah. is a, a bit to do with that, that sort of projection into the future of what's going to happen. That's right. I think we could, we could update that and make it fake evidence. Fake evidence. Yeah, right. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between fake and false. False, true, fake, Real. Hmm, that's the mm. difference. Yeah, interesting. Uh, cool. We will talk about these things and uh, from all sorts of angles. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. 
908 here on Bay FM 999, and it is Monday the 20th of May, as you well know, and we have uh, overcome the federal election, but not the results of it, and uh, also not the, the implications, and I guess also going back uh, to what has actually happened here in Australia at this time in our history uh, is is really important. Thanks for your text, and as, I, as I've said many times, of course, uh, that you can text in on 04373 someone has already texted in and said, so, the slingshot rubber band just got pulled further and tighter as a result of the election outcome, question mark. Chaos ensues. Interested to hear your thoughts, and that's exactly what we'll be talking about. Yes, very true. It Mm. certainly did get pulled tighter, and it was uh, difficult to predict, perhaps impossible to predict, whether that was going to be the case or whether there was enough momentum, enough energy in that elastic band to propel us forward a bit, but obviously not. We Mm. needed to pull it backwards some more. Mm. We often, before we go on with that, I thought I'd throw this in too. We, we often look at, uh, or recently been looking at uh, a guy called Bobby Klein, and Bobby Klein throws the I Ching from America, so to speak, and uh, for each week. And for today, May the 20th, 2019, he's written uh, the, the, the I Ching revealed, it is time to be outrageous. With passion and inner fire, open the mouth of truth. The truth that says you suspected all along that you might encounter obstacles. These inconvenient obstructions can only be overcome by confronting your own inner deception and demanding that the truth from within yourself be revealed. I find that to be uh, very salient at this point. That's right. And the actual character from the Yi Ching uh, that he's pulled for this week is uh, representing obstruction and difficulties. Yeah. And the wisdom, according to his interpretation, is uh, described in this short sort of poem that he's written, Abundance. In view, just out of reach. Mm. Identify the obstruction, embrace the teaching. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully these things, and, and I just want to say for myself too that, you know, this show is designed to, I guess, to look at these intuitive, creative, uh, you know, less, um, uh, you know, what would you say, less um, ordinary uh, aspects of our beingness. You know, are, are we uh, fixed in our box of rationality or are we actually starting to break free? That's a question I, I put to you today, folks out there. And it's all about really making sense of the bigger picture, you know, making sense of the currents which are pulling mm. us one way or the other and are we flowing with them or struggling against them? Um, but the bookmakers were wrong this time around. I mean, usually the bookies are pretty on the money in terms of you know who's going to win and where they're going to make their money, but they got it wrong this time. Yeah, I mean, they got it wrong greatly because the, 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 the biggest vote, uh, two-party preferred vote for the coalition, any poll predicted at any point was 49%. They've ended up with basically 52 Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a big uh, margin of error there. Very interesting. And if we look at the places where the, the vote did swing, and uh, you know where the, the win, the extra seats actually came from, they're very much in line with the idea of the regressive search. And uh, for those of you who might not know what we're talking about here, yes. when, when we go through a major change, a transformational change in terms of our values, uh, and this also reflects a, on a large scale a paradigm shift, and uh, some of the, the more recent paradigm shifts in history have been a shift from the agricultural era to the scientific industrial era, and now we're smack bang in the middle of another transition which is taking us beyond the scientific industrial to um, 
the, a new paradigm which we don't really have a good label for just yet, but some people have called it postmodern because it comes after the modern era. Mm. Um, it's humanistic by nature. It's very much centered around human values and the human emotional experience. It's network centric and it's very reliant on our network technology that we have. And we're in the middle of that transition right now. And uh, when, when life conditions become a little bit too hard to cope with towards the end of a, a paradigm, uh, what happens is there's this dissonance that arises between our capacity to solve our problems and the actual complexity of the problems themselves. And, and what mm. what that plays out as is the, the fact that we feel like we can't quite cope with what's mm. going on. And this creates a dissonance inside us, like a disconnect. Uh, and the first thing that we do, our first human instinct, is to make a, a regressive search. We look backwards down our timeline and we look for a period in our past when everything was good mm. and we were coping and typically that's not in the the paradigm that's just ending but it's in the previous one so in this case this regressive search is taking us back to agricultural era of era values yeah and uh, and they are very linear very black and white uh, you know there was a time where the the authority that we looked to for guidance on how to live our lives was mostly a god of some sort mostly our god our religious mm. um, aspect of, of life and uh, and in the major religions of course there's a list of how to live your life yeah. uh, you know according to god's values god's directions god's rules and so we're seeing this regressive search this flashback right now to this kind of linear fairly religious fairly rigid clear-cut very black and white thinking and from an evolutionary perspective um, the reason that this happens is it's actually a way of speeding up change because if we go back to simpler problem-solving strategies it actually takes us away from you know being able to cope what we need to, to in order to cope is to have more complex problem-solving <laughs> strategies more capable ones and so by looking back to simplicity we create this evolutionary tension which is like pulling a rubber band back on a slingshot and you've got to pull the rubber band backwards in order to get the sufficient tension that's required to shoot the projectile forwards and so in a values uh, sense we are pulling ourselves backwards to older simpler values and that's making it clearer to everybody that okay this isn't going to work <laughs> so yes it's building this energy for change and 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 Take a moment to reflect on that, folks, because it's quite a hard, it's, it's, it's obvious in one sense, but it's quite a hard thing to actually get a hold of. And as you're speaking about simplification, I'm looking at a, an article from The Conversation from yesterday uh, also, which talks about um, uh, the simplification that Morrison obviously has a gift for. So it says, Morrison has a gift for easy simplification uh, and did so with uh, things like the franking credits issue uh, policy platform of the Labor Party, which he turned into the retirement tax as a scare campaign, yeah. and so on and so on, that the simplistic, the, the, the matey, you know, blokey down at the barbecue with a baseball cap on, uh, that actually resonates in the way that you're talking about with, let's keep it simple. Yes. We just want to keep it simple. We don't want to break the barriers here or, or disturb the, the apple cart too much. Even though my life might not be perfect, I don't want to upset things here exactly yeah. and making it into a, a binary choice a simple black and white it's either mm. this or that you know you can make your choice yeah. uh, and uh, if you look at the the electorates like the, the you know the seats that have swung they are generally very much connected to um, agricultural 
towns or, or coal uh, industry, primary industry. primary industries. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's in those places where life is relatively simple compared mm. to life in the in the city um, that people uh, cope quite well with the, the simpler set of values. You know, life is simpler in the country. Mm. That's, that's just the way it is. Um, so you, you know the the whole profile of what's happened here fits very very well with this idea of the regressive search, looking back to older and simpler values, and uh, and that's been attractive for a lot of people here. You know, they, if if you look at the complexity of politics these days, it's really outgrown the capacity of our political system design. Yes, uh, and the system is clearly not working because we're not getting you know the the kind of people that we want uh, yeah. on our on our ballot papers you know i remember reading one suggestion online before the election that you should just uh, cross out all the options on the ballot paper and write on the bottom you know no suitable candidates yes i've heard that too yeah that's right i think some people actually do that but but it is it is interesting because of course labor in this uh, in this election arguably set forward quite a, a strong progressive set of policy uh, policy platform, uh, unusually so. Usually, yes. uh, negative campaigning against the sitting uh, government works best in order to deceit the to uh, unseat the government. That's the conventional wisdom. Uh, Labor came out against that and actually had some policies, whether you agree with them or not. It doesn't it doesn't matter. They actually had a raft of policies. If you look at the Liberal policies, there actually isn't any, other than the big tax breaks that they'll force through pretty well in the next couple of weeks or so, likely. Um, so you know you've, you've got a, a complexity which people are avoiding. We don't, they, they, they don't want complexity. Another, another interesting factor which we talked about off air today is that uh, apparently Australia is still the richest or perhaps the nearly the richest per capita place, a country in the world. So that's uh, an interesting statistic which is, which is qualified by the fact that we are also the most in debt in the world. So the fear, the hip pocket fear of losing what we do have is probably more um, expressive, more intense than we, we imagine. Yeah, and it's it's quite normal during times of significant change for, for fear to rise up to the surface. Another issue mm-hmm. that's had an impact, I'm sure, is the general fragmentation that's going on during this paradigm shift. You know, we're moving from a centralised way of living to a decentralised way of living, which uh, by definition means you know splitting things up and spreading them out. And that has happened with the with the vote. You know, mm-hmm. in times gone by, it was. There was a reasonably clear division between the the two uh, sectors that would vote for the two you know prominent parties, but now what we've got is a lot of smaller independent parties cropping up, which are grabbing bits and pieces of the, the major parties' votes, and mm. and in this case, I think that worked against the Labor Party here in Australia, and they lost some votes to some of these smaller parties through that fragmentation process. Yeah. Yes, and of course, there's there's the element of uh, religion we talked about uh, the moving back to layer four, uh, which is is that. Uh, that agricultural, agricultural, era. but yeah. that that uh, didactic. This is the way it is. This is this is the these are rules you follow, and we've we've seen no doubt in this election with a Pentecostal prime minister and uh, quite a few other, uh, I guess, fairly strongly religiously oriented uh, coalition members. Particularly, uh, I would suggest that there's also been a strong uh, Christian vote for uh, for the coalition. Uh, which may not have existed before, and, and unusually so, for in different different uh, churches, different collectives, different communities, actually shifting their allegiance in some way or other. I think in this in this election, it's yeah, and, and that's indicated by some of the seats that did swing, particularly yeah, exactly. in Queensland, which is which mm. tends to be our Bible Belt here, the Deep North. Yeah, 
God bless you all up there. If you're listening up there, I like Queensland, but uh, certainly you, uh, the Queensland has certainly turned a certain way. Yeah. And the same thing with age pensioners. I mean, Queensland is uh, is uh, arguably probably the, the biggest retiree um, uh, settled um, state in Australia. And uh, the, the policies of the Labor Party, and I mentioned before, the retirement tax, as Morrison called the removal of franking credits, which were basically a gift, really, in a sense, maybe gift is the wrong word, but certainly were an offering just like someone gets uh, gets a, a Centrelink payment of some sort. It's not that far different from that, really. Uh, taking that away is called a tax. And again, I think a lot of older people became very fearful that they really were going to lose some of their retirement. Of course, some people were. And one of the one of the arguments against labour was that they you could actually with it because they actually articulated policies for the first time in in, <laughs> in opposition leading up to an election that they could be really easily seen where those policies were going to have negative effect on some people and that was expanded by the coalition all retirees somehow are going to suffer which of course was actually not true yeah so you know a lot of misinformation here someone has just said here maybe the election results are fake news yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is is to think of um, the the electoral process as a complex system, and mm. just remind ourselves of the fact that with complex systems, often some very small changes can bring some very large results. And of course, this was famously described uh, as the butterfly effect in uh, in Lorenz's work around chaos theory and, and climate systems. Uh, and uh, there were some interesting small perturbations of the system that happened just prior to the election. And one mm, of those mm. was the anti-Adani convoy, yes. uh, which went up into the, the primary industry heartland mm. in Queensland, which is where you know a lot of the, the swinging happened yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and um, obviously the people up there who work in the mines or they work on the land... Uh, don't want their life disrupted and uh, they probably saw that anti-Adani convoy potentially as a threat to mm. their livelihood, you know, threat to their jobs. Um, perhaps they see, even even though there are many, many environmental arguments against the, the Adani mm. coal mine, perhaps they see that as, you know, a way of obtaining more income, you know, mm. as, as more business comes into the, the place where they live. And, and uh, I'm sure, or I, I'm not sure, but I expect that there was some fear created amongst the, the local residents up there by that convoy going up there and, and uh, claiming that it was all going to stop and it wasn't going to happen and those sorts of things. Mm. So it's, well, I think uh, on what you're saying, it's, it's really important, this element, because um, I think a lot of Australians, particularly perhaps people in Queensland, uh, don't like to be told how to live. Full stop. Yeah, you go true. into a country town, you go into a more conservative place in Australia, and people will not like to be told how it's supposed to be. I mean, it's a bit it's of a, sort of virtue signalling, as they say. Yeah, it's an archetypal thing, isn't it's it? Like, you know, don't, don't come up downtown telling us how to do yeah, things. You know? <laughs> so there's that element. And then the second one is, again, uh, the Morrison, Morrison managed and pretty well single-handedly managed to uh, demonise that whole process of... of uh, of going against the sort of the average battler bloke and yes. his working his job in his ordinary country town and yep. so forth and, and doing that. And the, and the thing that, that occurs to me about that particular issue, because there have been people who've said that the Adani convoy actually was counterproductive, as you're suggesting. I shouldn't say who and I won't, but a certain Greens councillor from, uh, uh, from this area said to me yesterday, uh, just talking about the election, said to me, uh, it was a mistake that the Greens took the Adani convoy up there at this time. At the, t- the time, yeah. I don't know who yeah. that was, and I don't know if yeah. that's correct or not, if that's actually how other people feel, but it's worth actually discussing that. Because what I think is missing is uh, when we talk about the economics of coal, for example, in those sort of country towns, 
yes, there are economics. Yes, there are some jobs when you open up anything, of course. There are. But the idea that, uh, you know, a renewable energy, for example, uh, new business uh, model structure in these kind of country areas in North Queensland, for example, uh, could actually provide more jobs and how that actually would happen. That's never been really articulated well enough, I think. That's the missing point. You, you, you need to try and educate people. Many people won't listen because they're where they are. But I think there's a big mistake there, generally speaking, in not actually being able to articulate and quantify how many jobs, how much economic growth may well be in sustainable and renewable energy, for example. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and don't get us wrong, we're mm. not, we're not uh, in favour of the Adani development no. by any means. You know, it's, it's an, a potential environmental disaster. But what we're looking at here is, is the dynamics, you know, the dynamics of human values of decision-making processes and uh, it's what, what's played out there. I mean, if what we're, we're talking about here is, um, is true to some extent that that convoy going up there did you know, push some people to vote differently, uh, then it's a fairly classic dynamic associated with the, the emerging paradigm, which tends to get caught up in communication processes and in joining together with other people to, you know, to uh, agree on and and sort of unfold ideas, um, but in the process, through focusing on the communication and and the interaction between the homogenous group, often it misses the deeper cause and effect dynamics mm. and so inevitably there are sort of these unexpected consequences of, of what happens and we can look back to the the 1960s for example and some of the unexpected consequences that emerged out of the flower power revolution yeah. the summer of love and all yeah. those sorts of things you know things like uh, the banning of, of psychoactive drugs etc mm-hmm. etc et so um, it, it's a it's a known dynamic and you know it can almost be predicted when we when we see this uh, group action going on and i would expect you know the same kind of dynamic applies to what's happening with uh, the extinction rebellion movement yes and while it's it's playing out in a a very admirable way i think um, particularly you know in london where the big protests were and it was done so peacefully and from a loving intent you know Mm. with with great um, Mm. heartfelt care for for the planet and for everybody um, but we need to be aware of this tendency to, to miss some of the cause and effect uh, potentials around those kinds of actions and just watch out for those. Yeah. Um, and um, lastly, I think what you're, exactly what you're articulating means that too often the progressive, uh, the, those of us who are progressive politically uh, tend to talk in an echo chamber. We tend to create a bubble and uh, very satisfied within that bubble. We have that support, as you were saying, that community feeling, that activist feeling. We talk, we share each other, and yet perhaps we really, there's something missing here. But it's not missing because it's just a transition, as we're kind of saying. We're on the way to changing these ways of being. Yeah, these are normal dynamics for this particular set of life conditions and this, you know, playing out of the dynamics of of human values. Sometime in the future, when when we sort of step into second tier value sets, then uh, the picture becomes quite different because we start to be able to sense and see all of the different value sets at play and see how they interact. And that's something that's missing from the current picture. Uh, you know, looking at, at uh, things like the Annie Adana convoy, um, and there, gen- there tends to be in these bubbles that you're talking about, Nick, there tends to be a general assumption that the whole world is like us yeah. and the whole world is going to love this or hate this just like we do. And usually that's not the case when yeah, it plays exactly. out in action. 
For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. 9.32 here, myself, Nick Jeans, Steve McDonald, on the other side of the, uh, of the space uh, control panel here in our spaceship. We're, we're leaving town. We're going to New Zealand. In fact, I've, I did mention you didn't actually get to hear it, a great track called Tangaroa, which I think is the, the gods of the sea uh, from New Zealand Maori song at the very front today from Tikitana. And I thought, well, there's probably a lot of people wanting to take a take a, a boat across the uh, the waters now and go and live in New Zealand. Um, it's interesting, yeah. It's a, you know, interesting for us here in Australia to look across at New Zealand, and New Zealand have elected a female prime minister who seems to be more open-hearted and understanding and, and caring uh, than certainly yeah. the leaders here in Australia, and and most leaders in the world probably. And yeah. you got to ask yourself, okay, you know, why was that transition so smooth in New Zealand? How did they manage to just move through that without having to bump into all the problems that we're bumping into? What do you think? Well, it's, I mean, it's um, it's all by degree, and um, the change process can be smooth if you're more aware of what's going on. So if you actually understand the change dynamics, if you can, if your perception is is uh, sharper and you can sense what what's needed, then you can actively make changes in the direction of the change. And, you, and when that happens, you don't need the slingshot effect so much, right? The only reason you need the slingshot effect is because no one's got any idea, you know, which way we're supposed to turn or which way we're, how we're supposed to act. And so they have to just be subject to the natural flow of the river you know it's kind of like jumping into a river as part of the crossing a river even as part of the change process and if you know the currents then it makes it much easier because you know where not to jump in the water Mm. right you know the right place to get in the water and you just ride the current swim with the current and get to the other side but if you don't know how that river flows then you take a chance and you just jump in wherever and you end up in a whirlpool or you end up you know wherever you might end up Mm. um so the knowledge of those flow dynamics uh, is really what gives you an advantage. And if you if you know the currents and you jump into the right place, then you can make the transition much more smoothly, without all the problems that come from you know getting caught in whirlpooling eddies where the same things repeat over and over again and the same people get elected. Oh, that's and, great! It's an endless metaphor. Love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just just quickly, uh, a couple of texts here. Um, do you think that on a practical this is a very practical question about voting itself and it's it's relevant do you think that on a practical level some people still don't understand how to vote using the preference system and should voting be compulsory Uh, and especially if there's not suitable candidates for you that are on the ballot paper and certainly when you you went in on Saturday all of you or most of you who hadn't pre-polled in that white sheet for the Senate uh, it was pretty daunting for those who didn't really know what they were doing. And I imagine, I looked around actually, and I thought there's a lot of people right here, right now in the, it was the Ocean Shores school there. I was in uh, a lot of people in this room, I, I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption, yes, but probably don't really know what to do with this piece of paper. No, I, I agree. I think it is too complex mm. and most people wouldn't understand it. You know, I, and I think that would be a very, very high percentage of the population who don't really understand yeah. how to, to work that system properly. Yes. And the system itself is archaic. It's way, way out of date. And it really makes no sense when you just take a, even just a modern scientific approach to problem solving. You know, if you want to solve a problem and and running the country can be seen as problem solving, a problem solving process, then the first thing you might think about is, okay, who's qualified to do that? And yet our political system does not abide by quali- person's qualifications. Mm. You know, no, no one has to pre-qualify mm. to get to become the prime minister. 
Um, and it's kind of like, you know, if you're running a, a you know, workshop that fixed car engines and you had a problem that you couldn't solve and so you just decided to pull in a hundred people randomly off the street and get everybody's opinion as to which uh, nut that you should tighten on the engine uh, and then you just take the you know okay well 53 percent of people said this nut so let's tighten that one and see what happens and, and, and basically that's you right that, not that's how we're running the country you know uh, it just doesn't make any sense at all that notion in the future that uh to to solve a given problem on a national or, or for that matter on a global level to sit down with those experts from various sides of the political spectrum from science from economics from spirituality even from the various disciplines that feed into the nature of being human on this planet and to come to uh, to uh, some sort of solution of the problem via all those experts uh, is seems to be clearly an obvious thing to do and I guess they try and do that in some corporations that might be functional out there but on a political level it seems such a long way away for us to ever reach that point where we actually find the people who are truly qualified on a particular issue uh, no matter what what side of the ideological uh, spectrum they come from yeah I mean we will get there eventually yeah we will take a while but uh the other issues with the system are that basically it's a system that was designed before the internet and life has become so much more complex thanks to the internet that systems that were designed before it existed just don't work very well. It's as simple as that. Mm. And also uh, you've got to look at the the values set that designed our current uh, election system and it really is designed to appeal to people who who want to pursue their personal uh, path of success, you know, and so we're we're attracting into parliament, and this is a, a generalisation, of course, mm. um, a lot of people who are just interested in their their own personal success, mm. and they want to be, you know, they want to be powerful, they want to, I guess, they want to um, be seen, you know, have a public image as a successful person, and and they use our political system as a, an avenue to achieve that, and and that, of course, is a very individualistic path and it does it means that they're not focused on the communal aspects of the you know the role of, of a leader and again it's a great vast generalization there are mm. many exceptions of course. i mean there's also of course those who probably enter politics for that reason and or a combination of uh, the need to push some sort of ideological barrow. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Which I guess comes from an earlier, the earlier from, system. From the earlier yeah. agricultural. So pushing, pushing through, and you could say someone like Tony Abbott perhaps was an, was an expression of that in, in Parliament. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tony Abbott was very much about uh, the expression of his raw power too, you know. Even I mean, earlier. Yeah. It, it, even in his personal life, you know, he's, he's um, got a great interest in boxing and those sorts of things and just, just being a winner. And I, I, thought, I think I, he saw it as an avenue to express that. A pugilist. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah, wow. So, um, yeah, it is very interesting. And, and the system is broken. There's no doubt about that. It needs to be changed. And uh, we need to pull that elastic band back a little bit further. I mean, one of the things, we'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back to this now, I think, is the notion of... Uh, values and morality as expressed in in these layers and and how that fits in yeah how we uh, how we emerge out of one value system and how that happens and where those value systems are sort of lodged uh, in each of the of the uh, evolutionary layers that we we pass through as human beings yeah yeah yeah, yeah this i mean we can look at the value systems and um, we can postulate what changes could be made to the, an electoral system to bring it up to date and i think 
because really our current electoral system, it, it's hardly made it into the scientific industrial paradigm, to be honest with you. I mean, if you take an example from that, from the modern paradigm, just say that you wanted to uh, create a, or, or you wanted to recruit a CEO for a corporation, you know, and think about the process that you would go through to do that, to select somebody to lead a corporation as, as a, you see the corporation as a kind of community, mm. um, then, you know, you would, you would have a clear job description. You would have a clear understanding of what skills and experience are required to fulfill the job effectively. You would go through a fairly intricate process of selection um, and appoint somebody on merit. And that's not what we do with our political leaders. Oh, absolutely. Uh, another text just came in. Thanks for that. Great program, guys. Um, sadness about the vote result now becomes the question of how can I, as an individual, support the process of change? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, and I think um, the, the answer here in terms of uh, working with this evolutionary tension is really to uh, join together with people who share your values and look for peaceful ways of communicating your you know your voice making your voice heard as a group and bearing in mind that this paradigm shift is taking us from an individual way of being human to a communal way of being human yeah. so it's all about community it's all about building community and it's all about communities uh, in in this case uh, expressing their wants, desires, needs in a peaceful way. Mm. I mean, many people listening to that would say, well, that's what we just did with the Adani convoy, with the Extinction Rebellion that's that's, uh, that's come about with Occupy a few years ago. Various other moons get up is uh, the biggest example in Australia. You could argue, uh, even that's an online community that is uh, that is creating that sort of community for change. Uh, but it's clearly not worked this time. No, it hasn't. And, mm. and you know, we can look at the reasons... It hasn't worked. I mean, it has worked in some places. The Extinction mm. Rebellion uh, thing that happened in London recently yes. was successful in getting a decision out of True. the government. You know, it, yeah. they actually had Made a, declaration. A, a positive, successful impact there, True. which is wonderful. And, and they did it without really creating too many problems uh, and, and without any violence, as far as I know, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, so I think that's a, a good example to look to. Um, but there are the, the the things that will trip up this process are blindness to the cause effect link, cause and effect links, and also the assumption that everybody's going to agree with you. You know, you've got to you've got to take note of who your audience is here, who you're speaking to, and what their values are, and how their values might be different than yours. And that's a very difficult thing for this emerging paradigm to do generally, mm. um, because it tends to create bubbles. Uh, yeah. You know, as, as we said earlier, so so that's that, that's really the trick here. And to to take a, a systemic view, like a system of systems view of whatever it is you're trying to change, and look for um, what Buckminster Fuller called the trim tabs, trim tabs in the system. You know, so if you're taking the example of like a, an aeroplane, a very large aeroplane, uh, it's it's. Um, Stability and its you know position in the air can be adjusted with the movement of very very tiny trim tabs which Ooh. sit on there. Yeah. They're not the not the ailerons on the wings, but tiny little tabs that sit on the ailerons. The ailerons on an aircraft wing are the things that make the the aircraft turn left and right. Um, you know you you tilt the wheel left and the aileron flicks up on one wing and down on the other wing and the thing turns. And each aileron has a tiny, tiny tab on it, which is called a trim tab, and there's a wheel in the cockpit that you can adjust those trim tabs with. And just by making the tiniest of adjustments, you can make the entire machine move very, very subtly and slightly. 
And in a way, you know, that's what inadvertently happened with the Sudani convoy. Um, it was a, rather than the butterfly effect, it was a flutterby effect. You know, they, they fluttered by the area and made a bit of a noise. And it just tweaked opinion enough to make people go, oh, actually, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. And from a constructive, positive point of view, what we need to look for now is, okay, where are those trim tabs in terms of tweaking things so they move in the direction we want them to move in? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we, with minimum, absolute minimum effort, just perturb the system enough so that it makes a change and something shifts? See, that's interesting. There's lots of interesting, uh, interesting stuff in there. First of all, uh, Steve knows what he's talking about because he is a pilot, uh, one. And uh, and secondly, the, the notion of uh, of tiny adjustments that make the big changes if they're, if they're correct at the right time, the right moment, the right yeah. place, is is that sort of... Anathema, in some sense, to the, the the rising green layer that feels needs because of the desperation, the grief, the pain, the guilt, and the shame that we haven't got round to yet. We will today talk about that. Uh, are pushed hard, too hard to make those changes. They push push too hard, and thus get these sort of flutterby effects that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Look, it it is um, in a you know if you want to take an isolated view of the emerging paradigm and its value set and its general modus operandi. Um, yeah, it, it is anathema to some extent, but society is not just one value system. Society is a mixture of value systems. And at this time in history, uh, we do have you know, second-tier thinkers out there. We have people who have very sophisticated understandings of how complex systems can change and, and uh, how to impact them. Um, and I guess you know one example of, a, I wouldn't call it a second-tier um, dynamic, but it was of quite an advanced emerging paradigm layer six dynamic was this uh, Cambridge Analytica tweaking of the social media system in the US for the election that brought Trump to power you know I mean they've they've done an extensive study of how all the dynamics work within social media and they understand how to make just the smallest changes to target the right people so that there's enough change I've never thought of it as small changes I I thought they were quite large changes but I see what you're saying all you need to do is have enough data sets enough uh, data points yeah. to actually just tweak a little place and a whole whole that, bunch of stuff right. can change down the line and, and that's the you mm. know that's the beauty of digital systems you can set mm-hmm. up a system so you just have to press one button and a whole bunch of things change mm. uh, and of course we know that uh, the Australian Liberal Party met with the CEO of Cambridge Analytica um, you know not long after yeah, the US was, election and, right. and so the, there's a there's an open question out there did was that kind of strategy used in the current election you know what were people in these seats that have swung targeted through social media or, or the media in general in certain ways just to make su- small sufficient changes to get the swing and how would we know that if it did happen that's yeah. the question you are tuned to future sense with myself nick jeans and steve mcdonald here it's 9:53, and thanks for your texts just letting you know folks if you send us uh, someone sent us a facebook link a story link on this particular computer I, we can't open this particular link so whatever that is maybe you can text in the, the person who's texted with the number 433 at the end and text in whatever that's about but we can't actually see that uh, particular thing just uh, text some text and that would be good you've been listening to future sense a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on bay fm in byron bay australia at bayfm.org future sense is available on itunes and soundcloud The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.